Well, this is lesson four. We call this one, Jesus healed the sick. This is critical because Jesus, we know, was the will of God in the earth. He, of course, is the Son of God. He is the Word made flesh. And we can learn so much about the will of God for our lives just by observing the life of Jesus Christ, especially his three and a half years of ministry. The Bible lets us know of Jesus Christ that he had the Spirit of God without measure. So he was the unhindered will of God in the earth even though he was hindered in some spots, but we know he was the fullness, the culmination of everything. He was the word made flesh. He was the incarnate word. He he came and declared the full counsel of God, never sinned, never misspoke, never, never cut anybody a wrong, bad look. Not every bad look's wrong. You know, Proverbs says the king scatters evil with his eyes. That's a bad look. On your end, it's bad. So Jesus Christ never sinned. Everything he did was flawless. And the Bible lets us know he he declared, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. And uh, that which he shows me, I presented unto you. So we want to look at this, that Jesus healed the sick. And, And again, we are a church that believes in healing. But sometimes there's something we've missed in the crack. Sometimes we need our faith refreshed. In our past, in the last year or two, I've taught about superstition and how superstitious we can even get as charismatics, word of faith, Pentecostals, whatever we are. And so sometimes if we're believing for something and it doesn't happen, you'd be surprised as good as we're taught or something might creep up and say, well, it must not be God's will or maybe I'm still missing something here and maybe nothing. Maybe you just got to fight a little harder. Maybe you just got to declare things a little bit more fervently. You'll find over and over again throughout the Gospels and into the book of Acts, a lot of it was people's hearts. Their faith was what their heart was declaring, whether it came out of their mouth or not. Sometimes we just have to hear the Gospel enough that our heart actually says it. We can teach you the Gospel and your head knows it, but it doesn't mean your heart says it. And so we just keep telling you it and keep telling you it and keep telling you it until your heart finally says, I see it and I want it. I want it so bad. I'm tired of this to where you're actually willing to fight for it. And if you realize you can have it, then you'll fight for it. All right, there's my exhortation. Let's look at our curriculum now. The scriptures foretold that when the Messiah came, he would heal the people of their diseases. Well, that lets you know God wanted it before it even happened. Of course, we know he made provision for it all the way back in the garden, and it was marching towards it, and he healed people all through the Old Testament. Now, the Lord demonstrated a lot more miracles that we have record of than we do healings, but we know he did heal people. But also, as I'm reminded now, Jesus Christ even pointed out there were lots of uh, widows in Jerusalem, but the prophet was only sent to one. And there were lots of lepers in Jerusalem, but the prophet was only sent to one. The, The people that were hungry, the people that wanted it. Sometimes stuff gets on us and we just sit there and cope because coping is easier than working. Now, I'm not saying we work for our healing, you know that, but prayer takes work. Bible study takes work. Marching and pacing your floor and declaring the promises of God takes work. And sometimes it's just easier to cope. It's just easier just to sit back and just limp, sit back and just hurt, sit back and just be insecure. Sometimes that's just easier. But apparently that widow in, the, in, the, in 2 Kings, she, she wasn't just going to cope. She wanted something. And apparently uh, naming the leper, he wasn't just going to cope with his leprosy. He was tired of it. And so much that his house, he talked about it in his household. I want to be better. I want to be better. Why? I can't, I want to be better. So that his handmaid heard about it. I mean, if you're not talking about it, how does your handmaiden come up with the idea there's a prophet in Israel 
and he heals people. And it was enough to make the Syrian, Naaman was a Syrian, to send down to Israel for a prophet. See, if we don't get this in our heart, we can know it up here in our head and our lives never change. And it's going to be very sad for so many of us to go to heaven with so much in our head, but so little in our heart, so little accomplished in the earth. Again, not to beat it, there's stuff I believe God for in my body that I'm just not going to quit. Because what what happens if I stop speaking to it? If I'm barely staying on top of it speaking to it, what happens if I quit? Does it come on me and eat me up? Does it infest me? What what does it do? So what I'm telling us is we got to just dial this thing up a little bit more fervently and get after this. Because one thing's for sure, doing nothing is changing nothing. And the devil doesn't quit and sickness doesn't quit. Very rarely does sickness stay at bay. I can't think of a single sickness that just stays at bay. The doctors come up with terms like chronic, which just means it's never going to stop. It's just going to sit there and harass you until you harass it back. All right? So please don't take this as just another more Sunday school. We're teaching this so that we can get healthier. Take the medicine you have to exercise. I'm all for exercise and stretching. Do whatever the doctors tell you to do, but sometimes they can only do so much. Get faith for this thing, especially for your kids, and beat this thing up. All right, Isaiah 53, very famous. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. You know, just because you esteem him some way doesn't mean it's the right way. We esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Uh, It was the will of God. It was coming to pass. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah. Let's see, Isaiah was prophesying during the time of King Hezekiah. That was about the middle of the king's. That puts it about 400, probably 600 years before Christ, maybe 700 years. He's talking about he's got, Jesus is going to come and is going to bear our sicknesses and diseases. And as we point out, he didn't have to do that. For us to go to heaven, Jesus did not have to bear sickness and disease. For us to go to heaven, he didn't have to be whipped and beaten and scourged and spit upon and beard pulled for us to go to heaven. He just had to go to the cross because cursed is every man that hangs on the tree. So the whole... Uh, scourging, the whole whipping was totally unnecessary for us to make heaven. But God wanted it because he wanted us healed that badly. It was that critical to him that on the way to a brutal death, he had to first be brutalized and humiliated and embarrassed. That's how much God wants us healed. He could have just carried the cross, hung on the cross, redeemed us from hell, redeemed us from death, purchased the new birth for us, and we could have gone to heaven and fought sickness with medicine all of our life and through our immune system. But apparently the will of God was that he be beaten beyond the recognition of a man, spat upon, stripped, crown of thorns, by his stripes we were healed. Or as we know the Hebrew says, by the giant wound, because it was one big fillet. By the giant wound, we were healed. That's how badly he wants us healed. And we know that Pilate did that, hoping that would be enough to then turn him free. And they said, no, no, crucify him. I've just nearly killed him. He'll never be the same. His arms will never work again. The muscle, you don't have recovery surgery back in those days. No, we still want him crucified. That's how bad Jesus wants us healed. 
A couple years ago, we had a young man come visit us from another church, and he was seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And one of the things he said that I love so much, and I said, why do you want it? He said, well, I see in the Bible God wants me to have it, and I want everything Jesus died for me to have. And how many of us go through life coping, not fighting to get everything Jesus died for us to have? You see, even in the carnal world, when grandma dies and that the will comes up into contestation and people start fighting for what grandpa wanted them to have. And then you got the little prodigal over here that wants what they don't deserve. And people have to fight for what was intended for them. Same thing with healing. But we are a lazy generation. We are consumed of flesh. It doesn't help that we live in the convenient land of America. That doesn't help our spiritual walk. It's just easier to do so many other things now. I'm not against uh, recorded Bibles and whatnot. Some folks need that, but we, we don't even have to read our own Bible anymore. We can just hit the app and it reads our Bible to us. Now, there's nothing wrong with that if you're driving, but if that's your Bible study, you need to wake up and get a real Bible study. Not against it, but don't let that be the only way you know the Bible. Uh, just to show you how convenient our land is. Malachi 4.2 says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Stalled calves get fat quick. That's a sign of health. They're not out there like Ethiopian calves eating forage grass. These are fat calves that are blessed. Notice, though, that if you fear his name, the Son of Righteousness will arise in your life with healing in his wings. 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And of course, we know sickness is a work of the devil. Absolutely no doubt about it. Sickness is a work of the devil. And if you can recognize that, we don't care whether it's through the fall. We don't care whether it's through a demon spirit. We don't care whether it's through a virus. It's all the work of the devil. Jesus Christ is manifested to destroy it. We have to enforce it. We have to look at this thing and say, you're trespassing. We command you to be fixed. We command you to be better. We command you to be right. We don't quit. We don't give up. You shut up. You line up. You line up with the word of God. And you, you do what you've been taught to do, which is to speak to these things and command them. Command them to be fixed. Command them to be whole. I don't have a problem if you go to the doctor. My wife likes to go to the doctor and get a name for something. She's been having trouble with her wrists. She thought it might have been her exercise regimen, but she laid off of that during the pregnancy and, and she's only recently started back and it didn't get better. She said, I'm going to the doctor. Let him x-ray it. At the very least, I can get a name. We can curse. All right, honey, if that's what you want to do, let's do it. I don't have a problem with a little bit of research so you know what name the doctors are calling it because the demons seem to be responding to that name so then you can curse that to hell too. I don't have a problem with that. You know, so you don't have to always have it. Sometimes you just curse the symptoms but sometimes you'd like to have something to aim at you know, other than just my hip hurts. Well, sometimes your hip hurts because you've twisted your back and there's a whole other thing you need to do. Uh, sometimes you just need to uh, take some medicine and speak to it. Sometimes you need to change your lifestyle. Uh, you know, on the other hand, it's like with uh, blood pressure. If you got blood pressure issues, maybe you need to lose some weight or change your diet. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, we don't want to just rest on sheer faith when what we really need to do is apply faith to our flesh to keep our flesh under control. You know, diabetes is usually caused by sugar diets and obesity. Just fix that and you won't have to be healed. Amen. Jesus was the word made flesh dwelling among us. He was the will of God in the flesh, demonstrating the will of God among mankind. He was the walking, talking, breathing will of God in the earth by healing the sick. 
Healing is one of the defining works of Jesus's earthly ministry. We know there's only one place where, actually only two places in the scriptures where he was not able to do what he wanted. One was where he, in his hometown where he could only lay his hands on a few sick folk because they were offended at him. They said, isn't this Joseph, the carpenter's son, aren't his brothers and sisters with us? And they did limit the Holy One of Israel there through their doubt and unbelief. The other place is when he was ministering among the Pharisees and the, 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 the scribes. And it says, and the, the Holy Spirit was present to heal them all. And then the verse moves on. The Holy Spirit was present to heal them all. Apparently the Pharisees were fighting sickness and disease too, but nobody got healed there. Those are the only two places you find in the gospel where he was not able to heal anybody he wanted or anybody who was present or anybody who wanted it. Now, again, he had the spirit without measure, which is why he was able to operate so freely in that. In our modern day, we, we don't have the spirit without measure. I've been given a measure. You've been given a measure. We're members now of his body. He's the head. So we have to come together in corporate meetings with corporate anointings, with the gifts of the spirit. And all this thing has to work together in a convergence of a perfect storm to get what Jesus had walking around day to day, <laughs> which is one of the reasons we don't necessarily see it so much but we can believe for it. And then we know when God pours out revivals and there's revivals of healings and revivals of the gifts, we'll see that stuff more. But we know that Jesus, his will everywhere he went because it was the will of the Father was he was healing everybody, children and old people alike, raising people from the dead, casting out their devils, setting them free because that is the will of God. It is not the will of God for any of us to cope with even a sore ankle. It is not the will of God for any of us to even... Wear glasses if we don't want to wear glasses. Now, again, most of us, we have glasses because we just got too many other things to believe God for. And I don't have a problem with my glasses or having contacts. You know, I have had friends that were healed of their eyesight. Nothing against you, but, you know, my wife and I, we pray. And one of the things we complain to the Lord, Lord, we got to hurry up and get this because there's so much other stuff we got to talk to you about. On top of this, we got a church we got to take care of. So can we hurry up and get this? You know, you have to triage the things, put them in order. What is the most demanding? If they're about to cut your leg off, you don't need to worry about, you know, buying that new handbag. Uh, but in America, folks, they cut the, cut the leg off. I want the handbag. And we cut off our nose despite our face. Healing is one of the defining works of Jesus's earthly ministry. Matthew 4, 23 through 24. And Jesus went about all of Galilee, which is the region about the great, that lake there, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those that were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. Notice all, 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 all. Notice his fame was more in Syria. You know, Syria is not Israel. Syria is to the north. Syria is Syria. He was more popular in Syria than he was in his own country. It's always a, a prophet is not without honor except in the foreign land. Amen. I, the one thing that just struck me there, all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Sickness is something that comes and then you could recover of in a few days, a few weeks. Disease is something that diseases you. You know, something that consumes you that even doctors scratch their head at. He didn't, to me, when he says sickness, that's like a minor thing, like a runny nose, a fever. You know, it's just a sickness. Given time, your body will fix it. It'll run its course. Diseases, you're hopeless. 
He didn't care. He was healing everything. If it was a little crooked, he'd heal it. John Lake, he tells a story, one that touches my heart. He was in a service one time, and he was just a visitor in a service. John G. Lake was a great healing evangelist and pastor about 100 years ago now. And he was in Washington. He was in Spokane, Washington. I don't know where this church was. But he said during the meet and greet time of this church, he said this little girl was in front of him, turned around. He said it was the most cross-eyed thing you've ever seen in your whole world. This little girl just cross-eyed. And he said it absolutely broke his heart so fervently that this precious little girl would grow up looking like that. And so the service went on and he sat there and just talked to the Lord the whole service and interceded for her and laid hands on her at the end of service and her eyes straightened. <laughs> Not even his service, just visiting the church. You know, it, it, every little thing is so critical to God. You know, cross-eyed, I mean, you can go places in life. You might bump into things as you go there, but, you know, they, they got corrective things for that, but God will even heal something minor like that. Just the littlest things. Jesus healed people everywhere he went. It was just as much as a part of his ministry as teaching and preaching. He was demonstrating the will of God toward mankind. Mark uh, 1, 32 through 34. And at evening, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased. There's the word all again. And then that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Again, all, all. When Jesus is moving, everybody's interested. They're all coming out. They, they want to see this. And notice he was known just as much for his healing as he was his teaching. We see this over and over again. Uh, you know, we, we as individuals, we've got to get back to laying hands on people. You ought to get back to just praying for people on your job. You got a headache? Let me lay hands on you. And even if nothing happens, well, you got to kick the car down the hill at some point and watch it start rolling. You, I'm convinced, because I've seen it a little bit in my life, you can develop these things. And if you keep feeding them, you know, you've seen the old, old timey kids were so poor back in the day, they just get like a hoop and they just spin that hoop you know, with a stick, and that was fun. Yeah. Some of you probably had a hoop and a stick. But you get that thing going. And, you know, the first time you stand up, let me pray for you, it falls down and nobody gets healed. But you get that thing going, and you don't stop. And you can actually develop these anointings about yourself. You can develop an anointing to pray. You can develop an anointing for laying hands on the sick. You can develop an anointing for evangelism. The thing is, we don't develop much. We, even our church here, we're getting lazy. Now, we come, we work here, but out in public, we're getting lazy. We have to be salt. We have to be light. We have to be willing to lay hands even on the Muslim we work with. You're not feeling well. Let me lay hands on you. I'll pray for you. When I did judo, anytime we got hurt, I'd lay hands on people, even the heathen that mocked me. And they'd never tell me no. I don't know if they ever got healed, but it didn't stop me from saying, I'm going to pray for you. I didn't ever have to witness to them. I said, I'm going to lay hands on you and pray for you in the name of my God. We've got to stir this thing back up. Because Jesus said the believer lays hands on the sick and they recover. doesn't mean instant miracle, but it means they do get better. And if we believe that, we ought to start looking for opportunities. Even, even to train our eye at Walmart, if we see somebody in the hover round. Why are you in the hover round? Well, I'm this, I'm that. Let me pray for you. You see somebody on crutches. You see somebody in a bandage. If we'll train our eyes to begin to look for these folks, we don't even have to witness to them in the typical sense, hey, what'd you do to your hand? Great conversation starter. Saw a guy at Walmart yesterday with his lobster hand. I didn't talk to him. I should have. What'd you do to your hand? And they, he instantly stops and he starts opening up his life to you. 
Even if he's a total pagan, even if he just cussed out the preacher, he's going to talk to you and he's got his guard down. Hey, let me pray for you, man. That sounds like that hurts. He won't tell you no. I've never had it happen anyway. But we have to develop this thing. Jesus Christ went about everywhere laying hands on people. And we should at least try and let God do whatever he's going to do in between. One man said, if I lay hand, once I lay hands on people, my job is done. The rest is up to God. If it fails, it's not my fault. I did what I was supposed to. Amen. Amen. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that, uh, that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Now notice, this is Matthew chapter 8. Here Matthew is pointing out, him in this healing service fulfilled Isaiah 53. The only problem is he didn't finish fulfilling it. Matthew is simply pointing out this was done that it might be fulfilled. But this is Matthew 8. There's 20, verse, 20 chapters left in Matthew of healing. And then we go into the book of Acts. And we know people are still being healed today. So when the Hebrews or the Jews talk about being fulfilled, it doesn't mean once and done. It means it's coming to pass. You can study that out in theology. They all understand that. This is fulfilling or coming to pass what was prophesied and said. So again, Matthew 8 is not the only section of healing in the gospel of Matthew. So Matthew's not saying he did this and now he doesn't have to do it. Check. You know, he's not checking off a checkpoint. He's beginning to do what Isaiah said he would do, which was take our infirmities and bear our sickness because at this point he hadn't died yet. So he's fulfilling Isaiah 53 without being beaten. He's fulfilling Isaiah 53 without being whipped. He's fulfilling Isaiah 53 in Matthew chapter 8 without going to the cross yet. So how much more can he do it after the cross as he was before the cross? But again, the folks, they were coming to him. They believed he could do it. They wanted him to do it. But when Jesus knew it, Matthew 12, he withdrew himself from thence and great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. Matthew 19, 2. And great multitudes followed him and he healed them there. Matthew 19. Luke 6. Which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. That would have been a tremendous service. Multitudes there and the power of God's just flowing and healing them all. Uh, John Lake talked about seeing, John Lake when he was in Africa for five years, 110 years ago, he talked about seeing this very thing by the hands of a Zulu Christian who basically all he had was a loincloth, preached in an animal loincloth. But he said he'd never seen God move more mightily through any man in his entire life. That included Dowie which was America's great healing evangelist at the time. But he said he saw a whole valley filled with people who came to hear this Zulu man. He names the guy. I don't remember the guy's name, who was one of John Lake's converts. And he said the man stretched forth his hands over this whole valley. He said, and God just moved through this valley and healed everybody. 110 years ago in South Africa. That's how that man started 500 churches in five years. 500 churches in five years to where his denomination still runs today in several countries in Southern America, Apostolic Faith Mission, which Pastor Titus, of course, is an overseer of the Zimbabwean branch. So this stuff is still happening, at least it was 100 years ago. If it was happening 100 years ago, I think it's probably still wanting to happen today. Amen. Look, Luke 6, and, and he healed them all there. Notice Jesus healed those who followed him. All, notice, it's the followers. Are you a follower? Then I think you can expect it. 
Amen. Also notice how the Bible categorizes sickness and demons, disease together with demon possession. Only one man in the Gospels ever questioned the will of Jesus in healing. Jesus answered this question once and for all. I'm reading Matthew 8 out of the Amplified. And behold, a leper came up to him and prostrating himself, worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you are able to cleanse me by curing me. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed by being cured. And instantly his leprosy was cured and cleansed. Now, now we're, of course, church, we're, you guys are all familiar with these passages, but we don't ever have to doubt this. We, don't let your mind talk to you. Don't let the circumstance talk to you. Don't let the symptom talk to you and say, it's been here this long. It's been here this long. It's getting worse. Don't, don't let that sit there and talk to you. The Bible is very clear. Don't, don't, don't be like this. Well, you need to be like the Syrophoenician woman that even when it looks like it's not going to happen, you say, no, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs. This is a Syrophoenician woman, a Greek, a Gentile. And Jesus, it looks like he's just going to walk past her. He ridicules her. He says, basically, you and your daughter are dogs. I mean, it's like Jesus, like the preacher calling your kid a dog. I'm not laying hands on your kids. You're dogs. And she still fights for it because she knew if she would hang on, she'd get it. And we, again, I can't emphasize enough in America, we just too easily cope. Instead of getting mad at the sickness, mad at the disease, mad at the issue, mad at our own flesh, mad at our own inability to press in and pray, mad at, mad. sometimes you just got to get mad at yourself that you're just that lazy, that you're just, you're just happy being broken, happy being Diseased, you're just content. What? How can that even be right? Even animals don't want to be that way. Even animals don't like being bound. Uh, we had the uh, exterminator guy come to the house this week, and he set out some of those sticky pads, you know, for insects. Well, the one I put the garage door up there the morning, and one of them that was supposed to be in the corner of the garage was in the middle of the garage outside the garage door. So I get over to it. There's hair all over it. And there's a bloody hole chewed through the middle of one. And I thought, mouse or rat puts his hand on it, tries to get free, can't, probably chewed his hand off to get away. Because not even rodents like being bound. And yet, if that's a Christian, the rest of our life will just clump with this big sticky pad stuck to us and all of our fur and just go through life like that rather than doing whatever it takes. And thank God we don't have to chew our hand off. But that thing was determined. And we, well, we just hobble through life or limp through life or we just roll through life or whatever we do, embarrassed through life. Instead of saying, all right, bless God, the time's gonna pass anyway. I'm gonna spend the next six months and this is what I'm gonna focus on until I get this thing. Because if I don't get this thing the next six months, it's gonna be with me for the next six months after that. And we do just too easily roll over and just take it from the enemy. Take it from the disease. We just take it from the defect. We take it from whatever it is. Rather than standing up and saying, by the power of the name of Jesus, I don't have to take this. I don't have to submit to this. I don't have to yield to this spirit of infirmity. I don't have to yield to this sickness, this symptom. If you get this thing strong enough in you, you'll say, just do, I don't know, you want to just do something just to make it stop rather than just, you know, using whatever shortcut 
the world provides us to cover it up or to limp along or hobble along or whatever the thing is. Uh, so we've got to be convinced it is the will of God. And maybe it helps you every day to look at your symptom and say, symptom, you are not the will of God. Therefore, you are cursed. And then you say, whatever the contrary is, uh, you know, healing or better eyesight or no limp or, or straightened back or you are the will of God, so you better get after it. Now, sometimes your body just stops working and you got to call those things blessed and the symptoms not supposed to be there, so you call that thing cursed. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. Yeah. So we curse the things that need to die and we bless the things that need to start working again. You know, whether it's an organ. Organ, you're supposed to be blessed. Start working. Process. Release. Uh, back, you're supposed to work. Be blessed. Growth, you're not supposed to be there. Be cursed. This is what we've been given. This isn't voodoo superstition, but voodoo works the same way. They declare these things and demons bring it to pass on people. So observations from Jesus's healing ministry. Jesus never forbade anyone from seeking healing. So you ought to be seeking it. Now, again, you triage your life. You, you put it in order. You know, having a cavity might not be any big deal. We have our friend, Pastor Jimmy. When he has to have root canals, he told us, he said, I don't fix it. That's too much money. I just pay a guy 25 bucks to pull them. My faith ain't there. My faith is no cavities, no how, no never. His faith is I got money for the gospel and it ain't going in my teeth and I'm going overseas. You've got to decide what's important to you. You know, something may not be a big deal, but when something starts affecting your life, when it starts affecting your heart, when sometimes sickness and disease can affect your confidence and your self-esteem, that thing needs to be addressed. If, if you're having to cover something or, or lie about it or... I don't know, if it affects your integrity, that thing needs to be addressed, both the heart condition and the symptom. Fix that thing. What we often do sometimes, and maybe we need to teach on it more as a church, we've got to train ourselves because your heart is like a muscle, a muscle of faith. And whatever, Brother Hagin said, whatever you're not up on, you're down on. And so maybe you need to go and feed yourself healing and feed yourself faith and get alone and focus on this for a season and just be dag-nabbed determined that I'm going to get it and it's not going to stop until I get it. And then you can move on in life. Otherwise, this thing that's hindering your life will always slow you down the rest of your life. Some things, they don't slow you down. You, you, sometimes you even forget they're even there. But we have to stay maintained on this thing. Our bodies have to be taken care of. Our bodies are the things that bind us to this earth. If something ever grows out of control like a cancer or a tumor, we go home early. Heart disease, diabetes. You have to live a life of constantly being built up on healing because you have to stay healthy. Uh, when, when Pastor John Osteen got ready to die, he told Dr. Barkley, he said, don't tell him God took me. He said, I failed to take care of myself. My body is giving out because I have not taken care of it. He died in his 70s. We have to take care of our bodies. So whatever your thing is, you've got to stay up on it. Realize your body is not your own. It belongs to God. Master the thing. Harness the thing. Uh, it, 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 get the fruit of self-control working in this thing so you can be healthy. God, Jesus never prevented anybody from seeking healing, so you ought to be seeking it if you need it. If you don't need it, well, at least stay brushed up on it because you might next week or your baby might. Or your mama might. Or somebody needs you to come over and pray for them. So these are just truths. I think we can all tell in these last days that truth is shifting quite a bit. And if you get caught up with the wrong spirit 
or the wrong attitude or the wrong doctrine, you can shift completely off of healing and faith and integrity and start to believe God wants you sick. All you have to do is run with people that believe that way and you'll believe that way and it'll be real to you. Or you can run with folks that believe in healing and prosperity and, and deliverance and it'll be real to you. And so stay up on this thing. Point number two, Jesus never prayed for anyone to receive sickness. We know sickness is not from God. It comes because of the fall. It, it's either just a broken bone or it's just a virus or a bacteria in the air or it's, it's a genetic defect that the curse has put on our body or it's a demon. It's really pretty simple. We don't care what it is. We treat it the same. Whether it's, it's a demon or whether it's just, just a biological abnormality, I treat it as a symptom and I always say, Lord, I submit to you and I resist this thing and it must flee. And then I speak to the symptom and say, I curse you. You gotta be gone. You have no place in my body. I would also encourage you to start with little things. If you don't live like this, start with little things like toothaches or headaches. And that way, when something big happens, if something big happens, you're not all of a sudden trying to build a house in a hurricane or attack a tank with a slingshot. You've built up your arsenal. But every one of us, we're gonna fight sickness at some point. It's just part of life. If there, if, why would Jesus die for healing if we weren't ever going to need it? Now, you know, word of faith will put us in some kind of ditch thinking, well, uh, there's no place like home. I'll never have to deal with it. We've all had to deal with it. And I think we've all seen some divine healing too. Amen. Point number three, Jesus never refused to pray for the sick. We shouldn't either. You shouldn't feel bad for asking me to pray for you. Some of you won't ask the elders because you, you know you're so busy. No, that's what we're here for. We're busy laying hands on the sick. So even if we don't have a healing service or have an altar call for a healing line, at the end of service, grab us. I, I need you to pray for me. Hey, no problem. If I can't get you, we got three elders running around here and their wives, oh, we'll, we'll get you slicked up with oil and pray for you. For Jesus never said it wasn't his will to heal them. Never did Jesus look at somebody and say, not my will. We understand that. Point number five, Jesus never had to pray to decide whether it was God's will to heal or not. Jesus never stopped and said, well, let me pray. I don't know, you're blind. Looks like those are, those look like carterized scars. Did you have your eyes put out? You must have done something wrong. Who were you caught looking at that you shouldn't? Mm, I'm gonna have to pray about this one and see, uh, see if the Lord was, has forgiven you yet. He didn't do that. He just said, what do you want? My eyesight. You think I can do this? Yes, be it done unto you. And he could see. He never had to pray about what God wanted. It was a given. You stand in front of Jesus with sickness, you want healing, you get it. That simple. Jesus' uh, Jesus' disciples were never sick. You ever notice that in the Gospels? His disciples were never sick. Ever. He never had to pray for his own disciples. Now, sometimes healing folks made him a new disciple, but Jesus' disciples themselves, not even the dirty one, not even Judas was ever sick. Jesus never said it wasn't time yet for someone to be healed. He never stood in front of somebody and said, no, sickness is not done with its perfect work in your life. <laughs> The only perfect work that's being perfected is patience, according to James, that patience have a perfect work. Never says sickness has a perfect work. Jesus never said, wait, 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 wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, ding. There you are. Now we're done. Now we can heal you. That's ridiculous. It was, it was almost, you can get healed as quick as you can get to Jesus. So the, the prolonging of it was your fault if you didn't run to one of his meetings first. Jesus never taught sickness was from God. Jesus never taught sickness teaches you anything about God. Jesus never taught God would put sickness on your child to teach you a lesson. I, these are all doctrinal ignorances that we've all heard. 
oh, I think God will put it on me to teach me something. We even recently, my wife and I dealt with somebody outside the church who was convinced that their daughter was sick because God was trying to teach them a lesson. And what you want to tell them is, no, sin is teaching you a lesson. You're a partier, you're a drunkard, you're a carouser. And if anything, you should be in church and you know you should be, but you're not. And that might have something to do with it. But God had himself had nothing to do with this. And we'll pray that your little girl gets healed, but uh, quit living like the devil and you'll stop having the devil's fruit in your home. We need to be willing to fight for this thing. If I could encourage you in anything, because most of these truths you guys are familiar with anyway, if there's anything we lack as a church and even in my own life, we don't fight for these things hard enough. We don't have enough of a fight in us because we're too busy chasing the next distraction America has for us. We're too busy chasing the next thing that we think we need, that we really don't need, but it, it somehow or another made its way onto our priority list. And so another three years goes by and we're still dealing with this symptom. At the conference we were just at, the pastor kept saying over and over again that this whole life is designed to distract us from Jesus Christ. And if it's distracting us from Jesus Christ, you better believe you're not gonna have time to fight for healing. And unfortunately, it is an observed truth. It sometimes takes you getting to the hospital before you get healed because then you have unfixed, un, uh, undistracted time on prayer and God and the word. But you got there because you stopped giving God focused time. So what we have to do is we have to carve out room in our lives to pray, declare the word, get feisty, get testy, be like the one with the issue of blood who risked her life to get this thing. Her whole life for years had been consumed of this healing and she wanted it. She was, even as a natural healing, she wasn't gonna cope with just second best. She wanted better. She spent all that she had and it wasn't any better. She wanted this thing. We too often just cope because there's another distraction. We've got to, as Americans, learn how to whittle our list and get some junk off of it. You know, maybe that means cutting out television, cutting out Facebook. Our, our lives have evolved rapidly in the last five, six, seven years. Things creep in that don't even belong there. And they creep in and they begin to entrench themselves and put down roots. And before long, God has moved off his foundation. We go, when we go caving, we can be so deep in the earth and see roots that have made it down so deep, not even rocks could stop roots. And then I've been in other caves where, the, where literally the roots have begun to expand and begin to fracture rock. Now that doesn't happen overnight. And you could even see how maybe at the Temple Mount where these giant stones are stacked upon each other, if a tree were to be planted, it would begin to send down roots in between these cracks and begin to lift these foundation stones and eventually push them off. I think we could see how that's happened. You might could pull up pictures of Aztec temples and see overturned things. Nobody overturned them, trees did. These things entrench themselves in our lives and they begin to undo our foundation in Christ so that we no longer have time for God, we're no longer built up for God, what we're doing too much of the time is we're, we're, we're thinking because I have stones laying around that this is the same as faith. Just because I know what to do when it's laying down there on the ground, I am doing it. But we have to realize just because you know what to do does not mean you're doing it. You've got to make time, otherwise you're gonna stay sick. The symptom's gonna stay there. It's not gonna get any better just because you wish and hope and know. These things only come by prayer and fasting. They come by laboring. They come by diligently chasing after it. They come by contending for the faith that was once delivered unto you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16 says, judge yourselves whether you even be in the faith. 
That's a strong admonition from Paul. You gotta, are you still in faith? Just because you once got healed of something doesn't mean your faith is still built up for healing. You've got to judge yourself, 1 Corinthians 16. I don't know, I don't know what verse it is, but contend, uh, judge yourself, see whether you be in faith. It goes on to say, quit ye like men. That's King James. Quit ye doesn't mean quit like a sissy. It means act like a man. Go after this thing and fight for it. Be strong like a man because these are wicked times. And if we don't fight for it, we're just gonna stay the same. And again, let's see, it's almost October, which means October, November, December. Three more months, it'll be 2015. Will you have changed this year? Will the symptoms have gotten better or will they've grown worse? Or, you know, sometimes we don't judge it by symptoms because they'll get worse right before they just instantly disappear. Is your faith stronger? Are you more confident than ever? Has your heart changed? You know, symptoms, ah, they come and go. But where's your heart at? Are you like, Caleb, I'm old, but I can take this mountain with or without you. Or are you saying, I'm old, and I can't take this mountain without you. <laughs> we have to be willing to do whatever it takes. There's plenty of verses here. This last section here, the word made flesh demonstrated to us the will of God is to heal us. Look at all these verses of Jesus healing. I think those are, I think I went and pulled every scripture of healing in the gospels. You have all of them right there. That's a lot of evidence. Remember, it takes two or three scriptures to make a doctrine. Is that two or three? Hundred. <laughs> in just four books of the Bible? I really believe that's every one I could find. John has the least amount. Uh, John wrote his gospels in his 90s, so he had a lot more time to reflect and to distill it down to what he wanted to say. So there's actually not a single demon is cast out in the gospel of John because by the time John's in his 90s, he doesn't care about the devil. Well, whatever, he's just a devil. A little bit of healing, a whole lot of Jesus. Amen. So I'm encouraging you. You've got to contend for this thing. When, uh, when Lydia, when she was nine weeks old and those varicose veins broke out all over our nine-week-old daughter's legs, uh, everything stopped in our lives. I didn't care about anything. I didn't care about food. I didn't care about television. I didn't even care about you guys. Because I got my first child, nine weeks old, varicose veins, and they're getting worse all over her legs. They're getting worse every day. And that took two hours of prayer every night for two months. And after six weeks, they began to get better. And every time I prayed in there, it, it wasn't out there with some little battle axe just kind of chipping away. I was trying to clear the forest with every swing. Every swing was an exhausting swing, but I said, this is not going to be on my little girl. See, until you have that kind of fight in you, uh, you know... Uh, you know, I can always wear a shoe with a lift in it. You know, I, I can always wear it up. Don't have to worry about swimsuit season. I, I can always get dentures. I can, why settle? Uh, you know, they can, they can give me a kidney transplant. Why settle? At least fight for it. They're going to cut something off. At least fight on the way to the surgery. Amen. Try to put the fight in you on this side so we don't have to resuscitate you or bury you early. Father, I thank you for helping us with this teaching on healing. Help us to develop this fight. And as we know Jesus, you want us healed. It's the whole reason you were beaten and scourged and whipped brutally on the way to the cross. May we fight for everything you want us to have. May it be just as important to us as it is to you. May we fight for it in our children. May we not settle for our children to be sick. May we, Father, forgive us as distracted Americans consumed of technology and social media and the answers to the world's problems in the palm of our hand, yet never solving any problems. 
Forgive us, Lord, for not putting aside the time to contend and to fight and to do better. Help us, Lord, to fight for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.